1: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you're listening. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything Podcast. My name's Emma
2: Men. Joining me today, Katie Heindel. Hello, Katie. How are we Hello. doing? How are things? I'm good. I'm good. I'm admiring your is it a sweatshirt? Long sleeve? Yes, it very, is. Very like like it looks very clean, but also very comfortable.
1: You know what? Fun fact. I haven't worn this since pre-pandemic. This is my first time putting it on
2: wow I know there's a
1: bunch of clothes where I'm just like oh I was looking at my closet before this I'm like what should I wear I feel like I've just worn all these things people are gonna be saying did I just see you in that I'm like I gotta avoid that kind of talk so I'm like let's just find something I'm like oh this black sweater that's like way on like the the east side of the closet not that it's that big but it was far away and it's kind of you know messy in there so
2: does it feel yeah. light and free of all the pandemic
1: you know actually it kind of does it feels yeah. like it feels like it hasn't been worn in two years in it in a good way Mm-hmm. It feels like very fresh and clean, although outside it's nothing like that. But hey, I mean, we're we're approaching the better days in Toronto. And as we've said on this podcast, and other people have said this too, Toronto summers are undefeated. And we're getting sure. there. It's we're true. so close. We are. Yeah. And we're also close to the playoffs for the Toronto Raptors. There's only 10. See that? See that segue? Was that, that was button? excellent. Can, yeah. That's you like you podcasting gold. <laughs> Boy, I've come a long <laughs> way since October. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, there are 10 games remaining in the Raptors regular season. And so with Katie, we're going to go through 10 ish thoughts, concerns, uh, queries, all that kind of stuff before we head into the postseason. And I would say, I mean, I told Katie, we're going to talk about Armani Brooks first, but actually we should probably talk about where the Raptors are going to end up in the Eastern conference, because they could end up anywhere from fifth to sixth to seventh to eighth, depending on how the schedule breaks down. Um, Katie, what are your thoughts? I have some like, you know, scheduling things here, but just your opening thoughts on where the Raptors are and how you feel like these next 10 games are going to go. And, you know, if they're going to be able to scratch into that
2: top six, I think they're in a good place. I think they're probably in a better place than certainly you or I, maybe many of us imagine them to be, you know, at this point of the season, I did yeah. go ahead and take a look at the schedules of the Raptors, um, the calves and the bulls, just like who they're sort of hanging around with. Uh, Mm -hmm. And everyone seems to have equi difficult schedules to close out the season, of course. Um, So, you know, there's like a couple tough games scattered in here and there. There's a couple theoretically easy games scattered in here and there. So I Mm -hmm. think, you know, it's not like they have an advantage over those teams. I mean, I guess health. They have touching wood. They have health as an advantage, uh, currently, especially over a team like the calves, I mean, sort um, of, but
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: sort of, you know, like <laughs> we'll take what we can get, um, uh-huh. all that to say that it kind of feels just like it's up in the air, which is good because it means, you know, if they go ahead and play the way they've been playing, I think these past couple of weeks to close out the season, they could end up at fifth, you know, they could end up like with a much higher spot than they well, not much higher couple (laughs) spots higher than they have now, but I also can't really see them sliding, you know, like they just seem to be wanting to finish strong uh, and close out the season strong. And as I mentioned, you know, a couple of those other teams that have taken a dip in the standings, the Raptors can sort of sneak in and take advantage of that. But um, yeah, the schedule itself, I mean, the Celtics, you know, you got Celtics, you. Cavs could be an interesting game. You got the Sixers again. There's like a couple tough games in there. I feel like that Pacers game is weirdly going to be difficult for no reason, but you know, there are some where you're like, I just have a feeling this game will be annoying mm-hmm. uh, to watch and for them to play.
1: Oh, Shaper set revenge game that's what yes. i'm looking at that game yes um yes. it's it's a tricky one right because like you said the schedules are they're pretty similar between these three teams and the bulls mm. and Cavs are actually going to play later on this week but the bulls i mean i think this has been going around for a little bit that they're 0 16 against the top three teams in each conference a mm. crazy stat like how does that even happen and i was on the side of you know they're unhealthy let them get healthy but i'm just like this is a little bit too much losing and people were saying after last night's you know blunder against the bucks like oh they were on a back-to-back and they're traveling I'm like bro Like they were going an hour and a half. Like that's from Toronto to my hometown of Peterborough. It's not that far. (laughs) Granted, they played the Raptors, right? And that was probably a tough game, but this Mm -hmm. is, you know, the juncture of the NBA season. Like you got to kind of figure this out and they're in danger of, you know, ending up in that play in spot after, at one point, leading the Eastern Conference, which is crazy. But you look at their schedule, they're on a five-game road trip right now, and then it's followed up by a five-game homestand. Sounds good, right? Except you play the Heat, Bucks, and Celtics, and also the Clippers, who may be you know, getting a little bit healthier at that point. Paul George, Norm Powell, who knows? Anyways, like they're, they're a tough team, and they, they're certainly going to battle, at least. And then for the Cavaliers... Um, they got the magic twice, second game, of, uh, second last game of the season. They got, uh, the, the Brooklyn nets who are probably going to still be, you know, at least competing at that point. And then mm-hmm. five of their last six games are on the road um, the Raptors, two more road games. So that's awesome. Right. You got the magic, gosh, who knows what's gonna happen with the Orlando magic. And then, um, there are the New York Knicks on the final game of the season. But outside of that, they are all at home. Which is exciting, except the Raptors haven't been playing well at home recently. They've been losing to the Pistons and the Magic. It's a really crazy thing. Like I talked about the Bulls, you know, being 0 16 against the top three seeds in the Eastern or in the conferences, but the Raptors are 10 and five. I don't get it. Right. One of the things that have been so consistent about the Raptors over the years is that they at least took care of business against bad teams. They always beat mm-hmm. them. And then against, you know, the, the upper echelon teams, they would go 500 or something like that. All of a sudden, boom, you're at 50 games. This team is like doing like the opposite. It's very annoying, but I guess there is never a dull day with this, uh, this group. And um, at the very least, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of headaches, but hey, that's what we, we signed up for with these Toronto Raptors. only one more back-to-back though. That's cool. Yeah. That's that's nice.
2: That's nice. Yeah. I think they uh, maybe just enjoyed getting out of, uh, you know, like they did so well on that West coast road trip. Maybe they just mm-hmm. wanted to get out of everybody likes to go on a little mental break, not really a vacation for them, but you know, you're seeing the same teams over and over and over in the East. It might be nice to switch it up. Um, but I will say that it's that annoying habit. The Raptors, uh, this team I've noticed has also been kind of leaning into this tendency of playing to their opponent right? Whoa. Like not necessarily playing to outplay, but just playing to the ability of them. I think it got them in trouble in that Bulls game, uh, just because they got so far behind in the third, you know, yeah. like Chicago just pounced on them in terms of like, I think all their just like transition, like really quick transitions, turn like just taking advantage of turnovers completely looking mm. way more complete. I mean, their shooting didn't hurt Chicago, um, hurt the Raptors, but you know, they just, you, they get into these slums where you lag and then it's a game of catch up. For the rest of the fourth, so yeah, I don't necessarily even think that's an energy thing. You know, we're talking about back to backs, but I think theoretically the Raptors should have energy to spare. They're a young team now, so it's a long season. That said, uh, I do feel like this last stretch might be full of surprises.
1: Oh, what a cliffhanger! To <laughs> end the, the podcast right there. <laughs> Find out next time on. You know, um, yeah, I'm hoping that it's not like that. Personally, I want it to be, you know, straightforward and simple. And they take care of business against the Atlanta Hawks and the Magic and the Knicks and yada yada yada. You know, you do your job, but um, one would think that it's not going to be like that. And I guess this this is a, a good pivot to um, the injury situation. You alluded mm-hmm. to it. You know, the Jared Allen. The Cavaliers, uh, seems like he's not going to be back until at least the playoffs And the Raptors. You know, you think of OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, Fred VanVleet, uh, Gary Trent Jr. now, who is kind of on this injured list who missed the last game. Um, today, Nick Nurse did give a bit of an update in the sense that he said OG Ananobi was practicing, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that he's going to play. But historically, take this for what it is, that when a player does practice, he usually does play the next game, even though Nick said he wouldn't, but also Nick is known to lie. Uh, and then Malachi Flynn... <laughs> Um, he wasn't in a in a jersey today but it seems like he's going to be getting closer and closer there was nothing about fred van bleed actually it's just more so about you know what what he said yesterday essentially or after the uh, the last game where he said you know I'm, i think i could do my job and it's certainly hard this is not the situation i want to be in but it is what it is like that sounds great um actually you last time you and i talked we we're like oh let's see how fred does against san antonio spurs and he looked yeah. great against the spurs he had like this jump in a step and everything I was like, okay so i guess fred figured it out um but now fast forward here we are he's missed games um he looks like you know 50 of himself and he's saying that, hey i can I think i can still do my job i'm like but then what is your job because your job is to still get in the, in the paint and you mm-hmm. know create attention and be and uh, be a leader on the defensive end and to yeah just you know produce opening look uh, open looks for his teammates and i'm not sure how much he can really do that with this current version of himself and you know that uh that last game against the bulls um he shot three of 12 from from three and overall i mean fred he shot 27 from three since the all-star break and he's shooting 35 overall since the all-star break so obviously not numbers that he's usually like and um The Bulls game, yeah, it kind of got away from them, it was probably in that third quarter where, you know what, Fred had a lot of open looks in the rhythm of the offense, and it seems like Mm -hmm. the Bulls made a decision, like, we're not going to let Scotty and Pascal kill us. I'm going to make pressure to Chua, and this 50% version of Fred Van Van Vliet do it, and they didn't do it, and I think that's going to be something we're going to continue to see, especially if, you know, Malachi and Gary Trent Jr. and all these three-point shooters, their best three-point shooters, aren't really around. So, I guess, where are you with their, the injury situation? It's not really a question but how do you feel about that how do you feel i'm your therapist now how do you feel i don't
2: feel great uh i mean Tell i don't me think why. anyone anyone <laughs> should it's not great when anybody's hurt or playing hurt or feeling like they have to play through an injury um but i think what stuck out to me again in that chicago game with fred was well, he did yeah like a lot of the responsibility for shooting and making shots did fall on him because of what the team was doing to pascal um, and Scotty, he looked a little bit frantic in the sense where not his gameplay, but just that he was like the lone guy out there, right? Like he had to organize the floor, but he yeah. also had to be the primary scorer. Um, that's tough. Like he's used to really like a give and go game pretty much. Like certainly with Pascal and Scotty by now, but like with the whole team, that's kind of the way that they're constructed. Mm-hmm. So he just sort of seemed, uh, he's, he cut a solitary figure, I would say. Uh, to, especially in like the third and the fourth. It seemed, he seemed pretty lonely out there. And I didn't like to see that. It's not a way that you, no.
0: you're you
2: really used to seeing Fred VanVleet play. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of gameplay is catching up with him. You get much more tired, you know, playing that way. So it sucks. The injuries yeah. suck. I don't feel good about yeah. it. Uh, that's good news about Malachi. We'll see. I mean, the thing with Malachi Flynn is, there was like a small slice of time where he was a great backup option. And he, you know, we talked about this. Um, he showed up, it looked like he was ready. He stayed ready, but I'm still kind of, I'd be more comfortable if he was a backup option. If this wasn't because like we need Malachi because Fred's playing a little bit of a deficit, you know, for sure. some reason right now. Um, Oh gee, I, I feel like a broken record in the worst way with OG because he's never he's never had a, a healthy season and not to like, none of that is ever his own fault, just not to say injuries things, are ever right? people's fault, but yeah, it's just yeah. like, there's been a real mix of things that have befallen him kind of every season of his NBA career, this season being no exception. So
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: that one, like personally <laughs> upsets me the most. <laughs> yeah. um, but I will say the Raptors have gotten pretty good at being able to juggle that you know, through, the, through like what they're doing with the roster. I had to give, I want to give a shout out to your, my guy, Yuta Watanabe, who actually looked fantastic. I'd say closing out that Bulls game, just, mm. you know, he was cutting through traffic. Like he was, he didn't have a lot, like he didn't have a lot of opportunities, but I think he made the most of them. Nick, get to back up there.
1: Is Takeshi beside you? What's going on? <laughs> Why are you say that? I'm kidding. Takeshi. Uh, you're you're terrific. And actually Takeshi was asking questions to Armani Brooks and everyone on the call was thinking though is he going to ask Armani Brooks about Yuta Watanabe but he didn't. He actually asked Armani he some questions about he should have. That would have been that would have <laughs> been a great move actually, right? Stick to the brand. But um anyways, not to, I'm not going to get on Takeshi. He's been he's been great all season. Um, Yuta did followed, look
2: good. He looked good. He did. Good. No, he, did he, yeah. no, he did. For sure he did. I
1: just I'm not sure if it seems like the time has kind of passed for Utah, especially now that the player that we're going to talk about in a second, here, that Armani disagree. Brooks is here. You don't think so? I'm not saying no. I'm not saying that it has for him. I'm saying right. in the eyes of the Raptors organization that the t- that the time has sort of passed, just based off they how they're having the rotation. They trick
2: us. They've made us think the time has passed for I think a lot of players who then have come back around, and it's like just kidding. They're going to be a main <laughs> part of our you know like of this lineup going forward. That's how it goes.
1: Yeah of a mind you know what for a lot of players mm-hmm. I would say mm-hmm. Nick um, Nick said that or Armani Brooks said that Nick told him that you better be ready because you might play a second or you might end up starting a game around here it's just the way it is and <laughs> for him who's on these 10-day deals like okay so there's already enough pressure associated with that now you're adding that I may play and I also I may start I don't know. You're going to have to find out. But at the same time, you're going to be evaluating me and looking at me like a hawk at the whole time when I'm on the psychological court. Psychological
2: about- torture. Yeah.
1: Holy. I mean, if he can handle that, then why can't he be a Toronto Raptor, right? <laughs> I, guess that's the, I guess that's the reality of this. Armani's been good. And I think uh, I think a lot of fans have been encouraged by what he's done on the court. And I don't even think we've seen the best version of him yet because in, in uh, Houston, I mean, he was shooting 30% on threes last season at mm-hmm. seven attempts per game. Very Mm -hmm. impressive. even more impressive than that is that he's hitting shots from 25 to 27 feet. His range goes well beyond the three-point line. And that's where he kind of like, that's where he posts up. He, that's where his catch and shoot percent or position is. It's behind the three point line. So that's a, something like that. To me, th- it makes me think that you know he's going to be more open in a lot of cases. Those passing angles going to be a lot easier to to find him because he's that comfortable that far away from the three point line. And then defensively, I mean, he's been a pleasant surprise. He seems like a really smart player, and uh, he's got quicker feet than I thought. Six nine wins, wingspan, right? Six three, but six nine right wingspan. In. Exactly, yeah, like right. a glove. <laughs> yeah. um, do you think the Raptors should keep? Armani, I guess, for this season and also going forward. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I feel like there's no reason not to, especially toward the end of the season, especially because we're talking about roster deficits, you know, and trying to split up minutes uh, to not overextend anybody. It makes a lot of sense. What I will say about uh, his shooting in Houston to like apt point, 100%, but no one was defending anyone on that Houston roster <laughs> most games. That's just True. <laughs> so he had a lot of room and he had a lot of space. Um, but yeah, like he, he's at an advantage if he can keep that up and shoot from that far out. I don't think it will keep up for long. The Raptors are just you know, they are a competitive team and their Mm. opponents will clamp down on that a little bit quicker, I think than Brooks found in Houston. But yeah, uh, yeah, like, I, I think like it really presents, it's kind of a no brainer, right? Like if at this, it, this point, if he's fitting in um, if he's making some shots, if he's being psychologically manipulated, then why not just extend (laughs) that 10 day out, you know, to, to see like to the end of the season. And then see what everybody looks like going into the postseason, see where you're sitting and see what seems realistic.
1: Yeah. In the end, like you said, it's about need. And right now they just need three-point shooting because Mm -hmm. a lot of the three-point shooters are either – laboring or injured or something like that so he gives that ability and I've been impressed by his ability just to come in and hit shots like you said I mean he's not going to be getting probably seven attempts a game with the Toronto Raptors but him being able to you know pop in late in the fourth quarter like he has done already Mm -hmm. get a couple of deep threes late in late in the game it's a pretty impressive quality that he has and even with the Houston Rockets um, at least in 2020 like he's playing around 10-15 minutes a game so he hasn't really been able to find any kind of rhythm throughout this uh, I guess this part of of the year certainly you know before in 2021 but this year not so much so I think he's kind of trying to find himself as well he alluded to this the other day that you know at the time with the the practicing with the Raptors is where he kind Mm -hmm. of does most of his learning and so there's still a lot of loops for him to go through and we know how many loops there are when you're trying to learn the Raptor system it's classes in session every practice and you have homework and exams and the exams are actually how you perform on the court and for him it's going to decide if he's going to get another 10-day deal or if they're going to end up signing him outright I'm not uh, entirely clear on how the how that works i think he's eligible for at least one more 10 day or it could be like a covet emergency kind of thing but anyways mm-hmm. at some point they gotta decide if they're going to sign up for the rest of the season and if he's able to, you know, provide a need he's blossoming, it seems like he's going to blossom into a pretty good shooter at age 23. He's already got disabilities. Like you just got to get his stroke a little bit faster. And the Raptors love helping players with their jump shots, give him a program. He's going to make things happen. I think so. I would love to see him stick around. I mean, you can't have too many talented players on your team and it's going to help uh, clear things up for next season because they got a lot of decisions to make with like, you know, SV, Utah, like you mentioned, um, chris boucher they got to make some calls on if they want to bring these guys back or Mm -hmm. tell them thank you for your service and we'll talk to you next time and why not put him in the fold and just see what uh, how things go
2: some tough conversations uh on route
1: who makes that who makes those conversations it's probably Masai, right he's not opposed to
2: it but yeah yeah i think (laughs) i'm trying to think if he would like it it would come down the ladder um (laughs) whoever's like telling them Masai, they're definitely like they're going to get a call from a
1: yeah yeah they would have to right
2: yeah
1: um to
2: just soften work. the the bullet, <laughs> soften the
1: bullet. Yeah. does he soften the bullet I, th- I guess he would he does have a, i think bobby would probably be the softest voice talking to you nick nurse would just be like listen man like this is how things kind of go sometimes yeah. um it is what it with, is
2: <laughs> with bobby is it it strikes me as like he'd tell you, and then it wouldn't really sink in until it'd be like, he'd be walking away and you'd be like, yeah. And then you'd be like, wait a second. I just got <laughs> fired. You know, like it would take a minute to sink in.
1: So yeah, man. So I think our time is up, but you were awesome with us. Yeah. You were so good. Like <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that game you had against the Denver nuggets. You hit that shot. You were so good, but take it. That's
2: easy. a Messiah. I think that's more Messiah. Bobby's like kind of straight face. Yeah. Just like kill you with sort of politeness. Um, just like back yeah. his hair. Yeah. You're like, you know, thanks for everything. And, uh, we'll be in, we'll keep in touch. And you're like, okay, yeah, we'll be in touch. I don't have your numbers. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Speaking of, uh, tough breaks, right. Ken Birch, do you think he's going to be able to avoid another fluke injury? He's got an eye thing. He's had a nose thing a couple of times. I feel bad for him. He's probably the player that, I mean, there's a few players on the Raptors that we could say that he has had a lot of tough luck this year. Ken Birch certainly has had a lot of tough luck this season. Holy smokes. Yeah.
2: Just like wrong place, wrong time, really, really fluke uh, injuries. Yeah. Um, maybe he could start wearing the mask full time. I know guys don't really like wearing the mask, but if he's like posting up in the dunker spot a lot and he's a, he's around there and that's where he's catching like straight elbows or I don't know, outright like, Palms to the face, mm. then I feel like it's it's worth safeguarding your face, Ken. Um, I mean I hope that's the end, right? Like three like freak fluke accidents in one season is already Ew. too many, considering most guys like if they're gonna get one, they get one. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Bad luck for Kim.
1: Maybe he's gonna wear a hazmat suit. <laughs> right? That was something that players were entertaining jokingly during the bubble so maybe he's a person who's like you know what i'm actually going to do this and your job it, it could probably actually make him a b- bit of a better defender down low if you gotta go out get to duel and beat or something like that makes him a little bit thicker right Joel yeah. loses the loses the ball because it hits it hits the edge of the hazmat suit who knows right maybe it works out um i feel like it's kind of strange that some play- some people seemingly have been reaching out to Kem and ridiculing him i guess that's the nature of social media right there's no who filters. has
2: i Missed that. He was doing that. No, he talked about that. Yeah.
1: During his last availability, he was actually, he did a a post game and he said that it seems like since I've moved to Canada and became a Raptor, that there are a lot of people who want to see me fail. And I was like, my goodness, man. Brutal. Brutal. Like people really do suck. People do.
2: People do. Uh, Yeah. A lot of people do. I think, um, which is always a surprise to me as like someone who that tries people to suck. people at the benefit of the doubt. Wow. Yeah. Maybe to like a, my own detriment, but I think with cam, it's just like, how can you judge what you're seeing when you haven't actually seen him at full capacity yet because mm. of all these freak things that have befallen him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also like he had COVID when he first signed to the team and he like, he missed training camp, you know, like there was all this, like he never <laughs> He did not come into it being a Raptor like mm-hmm. as cleanly as probably he wanted. Certainly Raptors fans wanted, probably the team wanted. Yeah. Um, but that's like uh that's very hurtful to hear. And I hope people recant on that because nobody needs that.
1: No, not at all. Um the all Amer- yeah, right. Canadian boy. Why are we doing this to our Canadians? Um mm-hmm. it doesn't help that press the Chua has now, you know, give, been given the nickname Press Curry because of how he's been shooting and the Raptors have been like begging for a big or at least a center who could hit threes and Chris Boucher can do it sometimes, but also um, he's just not, you know, the, necessarily girthy enough to be in all matchups. Perpetual has a bit more to him. And, you know, since the all-star break, he's hitting 40% of his threes. And actually in 2022, He's hitting 37% of his threes. So this has been going on for a little while. I mean, yes, you know, post all-star break, that's when things really ramped up a little bit, but he's been Mm -hmm. doing it all of 2022. And his growth has been really incredible. I think every person on a Raptors podcast, probably you have on the multiple podcasts you're on, have talked about how good pressure or precious to has been. But I guess my question to you is... What do you think is the next step for him? And like, do you think this is who he is now? Is he this, you know, pick and pop big kind of type, or at least with uh, when it comes to cash and shoot threes?
2: I don't think we really know. Like I stand by what I said at the beginning of the season, which is I think Precious Chua is a pretty complete player. He looked that way. There were some blips here and there, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of this season when it seemed like he was just sort almost like sorting through the toolbox of the skills he has and figuring out – what to deploy when, which yeah. like that is its own skill, especially in young players, right? Learning when to wait, learning when to force something, learning when to just like give the ball away or take the shot. Um, it was tough for him because I don't think he'd ever been asked to make those decisions in Miami whatsoever. Um, so you're coming into a roster that really values decision making, right, from all its players, not just from the primary ball handlers. So I think he had that to contend with. I think. Uh, talking to Sean Woodley this morning uh, on Locked On about this and
1: great podcast, you know, great guy.
2: Yeah, great pod, great guy. Um, But we were talking <laughs> about comps. You know, people seem really eager to make a comp uh, between Precious and Pascal Siakam uh, in terms of where Siakam was at in his second season, and I would caution, mm-hmm. don't make comps period and certainly like don't make comps between those two players they're very different Pascal Siakam's development is like a like we don't want to talk about fluke like good flukes and like kind of freak things it's an anomaly in the NBA in the NBA's entirety you know um Mm -hmm. for someone to get where he has with like hardly any experience prior um Pascal Siakam is a unicorn in that sense, but I think Precious Achua, as I said, pretty complete, needs to work on some things and and kind of hone in on where where he'll be. I don't think sometimes this season, um, the decision making around roster spots has probably not aided him in figuring sure. that out quickly. It's had to, he's had to stay a little bit more like loose and kind of waiting.
1: What you're talking you know? about. What you talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah.
2: But uh I think I mean I, I still have really high hopes for Precious. I don't think he's shown anything other than
1: mm.
2: um gradual improvement throughout yeah. the season, which to me is like a better stamp than just like, you know, a couple flare-ups here and there, and then you know, what do you have to show for it? Like you want that gradual improvement. It's his second season in the NBA, his first as like an actual player, right? Like an integral player as part of a like a fairly complete NBA team. So mm-hmm. the, it might as well have been his first season in a lot of aspects. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to see what he does next year. Don't give him the nickname. Fresh Curry. Fresh Curry. <laughs> no, because no, no. again, you are setting yourself up for a wild disappointment when like he has an off game. That's the thing. That's what I can't handle is like yeah. these expectations set game to game to game. And then like it all goes out the window if someone has an off game. That's mm-hmm. not how it should work.
1: Statmuse would be all over that if he had a bad game or he had a bad I stretch or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I can already, I can see, already
2: it. see this stupid graphic. <laughs> <laughs> I can already see
1: it. Yeah, I know. Uh, Lindsey Dunn did a nice piece on Thad Young.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
1: In that piece, um, he talked about, you know, his mentorship role with the Toronto Raptors, and how that was one of the reasons why he was brought in. And Chris Boucher, the Chew, also those players talked about the impact that he has had. And precious, uh, for one, um, there's a quote for him saying that you know I, I think of myself as like I like to just watch and kind of see and, and and watch how players you know go about their business and operate. And then afterwards, I'm going to you know, take him aside and ask them some questions. And Thad Young, mm-hmm. he seems like one of the nicest people in the world, so mm-hmm. I'm sure they have a really good relationship with each other but I like, I like that about precious is that he's, he's so eager to get better. And, you know, the growth from that we've seen from day one to now as a Toronto Raptor, I guess in some ways, like it shouldn't be that surprising because he's so devoted to improving himself and, Mm -hmm. you know, the shots in game, the decision-making, yeah, it's been up and down and I've criticized him. Other people have too, that sometimes he's got to like reel back a little bit, but to some degree, you know, him going through these reps and getting this time with the Raptors has been really, really helpful for him. I would just like to see, him kind of master a few things because like you said he is so good at so many things now it's like what do I get better at but like this mm-hmm. offseason if I was Nick Nurse or if I was a Raptor staff member I'd be like look um I want to see you you know master your relocation when it comes to your catch and shoot threes you're finding those uh positive passing passing angles for your teammates and you know people are closing down on him and he's got to take one dribble and hit a shot you know continue to get better at driving to the rim and you know kind of work with Fred Van Vliet to become like a true pick and roll combination because Fred needs that. Everyone needs that, right? It's such an easy way to get, uh, to get buckets. And, you know, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka had one of the best combinations that we've seen. And uh, I guess with the Toronto Raptors, I mean, So continue to hone in on that, become a person who can use a bit more of a pick and pop big, who can hit a bit of a mid range shot, but also can drive to the rim, continue to hone in on improving your, your, uh, your percentages around the rim, because it's sometimes a little bit wonky. Sometimes, you know, the pressure and the contact that gets built in down there, it can be tougher to finish. And he's still working through that. He's still very young. So those are things that I like to see him do, but I mean, his toughness, I love his toughness, toughness. Nick nurse said the other day that, uh, you know, precious told him a few months ago that I want to guard the hardest player on the other team. I want to be that guy. And he's been doing it the past few games actually. Um, And I I expect that's going to continue too, because it's just going to make, you know, things a little bit easier on Pascal and Scotty, and they're going to be needed for offense, which we're going to get to in a second, but Love Precious. Love his growth. Um, Don't think he's going anywhere. Probably is going to be the starting center next season if they don't make a bigger move, which is a whole other thing they got to figure out. But it seems like they really found something with Precious. And all those people were like, oh, we didn't get anything for the Kyle Lowry trade. Well, there you go. Got Precious Achua. Your starting center of the future. 13 and 7 since the All-Star break. 40% from 3.
2: I think it's really positive how much he kind of relishes having a vet around too. Like we saw him do that earlier in the season with Kim, uh, as yeah. well in terms of just like asking how to improve. And as you said, like his latest comments, just about watching fad, um, mm-hmm. because I think precious has gotten a pretty bad rap for like being a selfish player. Right. At times. And I think, again, some of that just comes down to poor decision-making because he doesn't have the experience decision-making and I haven't actually seen him I was going to say, I haven't seen him make the same mistake twice. That's not true, but maybe I haven't seen him make it three times, you know, like uh, he's kind of learned those lessons. And I think like young players, like vets are really important. We all know that, but I think young players that actually relish and take the opportunities to approach vets Mm -hmm. versus like having to have the vet kind of come to them. uh, That's like a really, I don't know. I think that's like very telling of his character uh, as a person and as a player.
1: Pivoting to the ideal world where the Raptors are actually healthy, that would be really fun. So, let's, <laughs> there are a few things that I wanted to ask you about um, in the event that does happen, especially in, leading into the playoffs. Nick Nurse said today, actually, in practice, that, you know, if the playoffs start today, I think we're ready. What a quote. I think we're good to go. Assum- assuming that, you know, they're obviously healthy, which they're not right now. But in the end, if the Raptors were healthy and things go back to the way they were with their starting lineup. And I guess they got to figure out their, their bench and what's going to be happening there with uh, preciouses emergence and, you know, Brooks and yada, 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 but Scotty Barnes in the month of March is shooting 16 shots a game. Meanwhile, uh, as you know, his averages uh, for the season, especially in 2022, or at least in January and February are around 10 to 12. Um, Obviously that happened because the Raptors were injured. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like at the same time, they kind of found something to a degree. Right, that they found that you know Scotty probably was – maybe they already knew this. I'm sure they probably did. He was ready for a, a bigger and more expansive offensive role, and he's kind of ran with that a little bit. So when they do get healthy and they have their starting lineup, as is the good old days, do you think he should still stick around 16 shots per game? Because it's a big jump, 10 to 12 from, to 16. That's, that's, yeah. that's pretty
2: uh, – yeah, it's a lot. One I will say, uh, to Nick Nurse's comments – you at some point, you're just like, Yeah, I'm ready as I'll ever be. Like, it's kind of like it is like that in life as it is in basketball, right? There's not that much more you can do to prepare for the postseason. They're as close to it now as they've ever been. So, kind of looking at it in very short sight and being like, Yeah, we're ready. Cause, like, honestly, I, other than health, I don't know what else. If you haven't fixed it or addressed it or changed something by now, it's not really going to happen in yes, 10 games. It's, um, it's just not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I agree with him. They look good. Uh, in terms of Scotty Barnes, this is really funny to me because the last time I was on, we were talking about this. I think the question was like, "He's not. He doesn't have enough." This isn't me doing. This isn't you. This isn't an. Impression you could do of one
1: you. though. You could do an impression of me if you want. Please do. Well, the,
2: no, I won't. The question okay, fine. <laughs> is just whether or not he had enough offensive responsibility, and should he have more? Leaning towards, he should have more. Uh, I thought he did have plenty. And I think now where he stepped into this again, yeah, it's due to injuries and, you know, needing somebody to take those shots. The fact that he wants to and can, and is making those shots. What a bonus Mm -hmm. again, my stance with Scotty Barnes, (laughs) he can do as little or as much as he wants this season. You know, it's all like folding into the broader range of experience and like how his game is being built out right before our eyes, you know, like to an accelerated degree that I don't really think anybody anticipated uh, to for him to be where he's at this season, like clear rookie of the year contender. I'd say probably, I mean, Mobley's a star, but like in terms of, and I'm incredibly biased, but like in terms of sheer <laughs> versatility, you know, like yeah. the scopiness of Scotty Barnes, uh, it's a no brainer to me, but I think, uh, yeah, if he wants to take those shots, let him. But maybe they don't want him, maybe they don't want him to be doing that. But again, like whatever <laughs> it's a very like, yeah, it's just like a real happy go-lucky take. But that's my take. It's just like whatever Scotty wants to be doing, and whatever yeah. he seems like happy is doing offensively, <laughs> let him do it. <laughs> just
1: be you, Scotty. It's your party, just and you can cry you. if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> that song, anyone, yeah. anyone knows that song?
2: I don't know. He like got back. I will say like, he looks so good on that West coast leg, you know, and like that, that those are against like some of the most established players and teams Mm -hmm. in the league. And he looks so secure and confident and just, you know, more of what we've been seeing, but I think on a different, like a completely different stage and a good like barometer for himself too. Like what a good test. So yeah, man, Scotty.
1: (laughs) Scotty
2: Barnes
1: good old Scotty Barnes the reason why this kind of came up is that I've seen over the past few games this is again because of you know the Raptors needing offense and just having a lot of injuries but Mm -hmm. his game has expanded more to a little bit more of the mid-range and three point shooting and I mean that's fine it's going to be something that I'm sure he's going to develop uh, you know over the over the offseason and yada 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 but to me I mean, if they're able to, if they're healthy and that's kind of the, that, that's what we're talking about in that ideal world that the Raptors are healthy. Scotty Barnes is probably one of your, one of maybe your best post-up player, right? Cause Pascal is great and everything like that. But uh, Scotty just has this ability to do it against anyone, against any mm-hmm. of any size that he just, he had it, he has it. Like he's just that guy. And I, I feel like, He is now an asset in that area. And when we talk about playoff offense, it's so much about just like mismatches and how can our mismatches be your mismatches? Who's going to be better at exposing the mismatches? And I think Scotty Barnes, you just have this weapon that is going to be so useful. And again, with the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet, you know, kind of laboring, um, they're going to be looking for ways to create offense and hopefully OG and OB comes back and he's able to take on more of that offensive role. Um, but doc river said it the other day is like, Hey, when you're facing the Raptors, like chances are there's going to be a mismatch somewhere and they're going to find it. Cause they know there's a mismatch somewhere and they're going to expose mm-hmm. it. And I think Scotty Barnes, like usually he is a person who has a mismatch. So I want to see him continue to get those reps as a post-up player, because he is deadly down there. And, you know, on hook shots this year, he's shooting 53%. On jump shots, 37%. There it is. (laughs) He's very good down low, and he's just Mm -hmm. getting better at it. And he's such a good passer already. I just think it kind of simplifies the game a little bit, especially going down the stretch of the season when you have bodies coming in and out that just throw it down to Scotty and let's try to make things happen. Yes. Against the bulls. I mean, they game plan for that. And they said, I want to see other guys hit shots and hopefully they get healthy. And that's, those are the things that are going to be able to happen. But at the moment, I just want to see Scotty get more run more opportunity because I think he's he's an easy method to get good shots in your offense. And um, I just want to see him as rookie of the year? I don't know. It depends how they look at it, right? It depends on the criteria. If you're going to take the player that's most versatile, then, you know, probably Scotty Barnes. If you're going to look at, hey, got Evan Mobley, who's a big that has become an NBA big, something that a lot of players take like two to three years to do for maybe he's doing it in his first year. Oh, and he's also putting up like 22 and 12 and 25 and 17. Now that Jared Allen's out and he just seems to be his own kind of special. So There isn't a bad choice between those two. I guess Cade Cunningham obviously factors into this, but I think that because Evan and Scotty are contributing to teams that are winning, I think that does kind of put them into a different tier to me, at least, although Cade's incredible. So we'll see what happens there. But three very good candidates, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I must say. Okay, clutch time, Katie. Clutch time for the Toronto Raptors. Who do you think, or do you think, We should kind of start leaning towards I know what I just said about Scotty Barnes, but do you think Pascal should be getting more of an opportunity to be the crunch time guy, considering what we've seen over the past little while, how he manhandled Tobias Hansi Harris, might I say, because of the way he was just like poking at Pascal down the stretch of the game. Um, But his decision making is incredible, right? He's he's Mm -hmm. doing it um, every game and he's been a big reason why they, you know, they had such a successful road trip so. Do you think we should start ed- edging towards being given Pascal the ball or, or in cases where there's no obvious mismatch on the court, like a Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. for instance, do you kind of say, okay, let's just give the ball to, just to Pascal and let's try and get a good shot?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think his decision-making has shown, like, in crunch time, he can be and, like, has been that guy. I feel like this is already happening a little bit, so maybe that's yeah. why <laughs> I don't know that, like, what the mm-hmm. – I guess sure because i can't yeah. think again it feels like this is already happening this is kind of naturally the course of things uh as you said when there's no obvious mismatches to be had on the floor i did like seeing him go up against Tobias harrison that way because i think of pascal siakam of the past who sometimes waited for calls or perhaps looked for calls mm-hmm. just playing through contact you know and like playing through discomfort it's like a really big step, I think, for him. And I think a step for him as yeah. a star. And what I mean by that is like a lot of stars do not play through contact because they don't have to, right? They kind of learn the necessity. They don't need to. That's changed a bit with the rules this season. And I don't really believe when Lukadanchik says he's going to not yell at the refs anymore because <laughs> those old habits die hard. Um but he's a good yeah. example of that. Right. And I think I didn't, I was always a bit wary because I didn't want Pascal to fall into that category. Of course I wanted him to be a star, but I didn't necessarily want all the negative trappings that come with it because they can be pretty detrimental to someone's game. So I think like he, the way he's playing now, it's really like, again, it's the confidence that we've seen all season, a real sense of himself on the floor and like where he is kind of at all times, mm-hmm. where his teammates are at all times. Um, a really like level headedness. I think that's like a nice new thing to see from him as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think he's shouldering the responsibility what we're talking about in crunch time, but also just like again, shouldering the responsibility, Fred being in and out of the lineup as kind of being that role model, that leader on the floor. So well, I would hope he doesn't have to be that guy in crunch time because he's being that guy for the majority of most games. It would be nice for him to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure.
1: Sure. I'm leaning towards this because I feel like he's just got a big rhythm with his game now that is kind of putting him into a different tier. I talked about this on a video that I put on YouTube recently. It says how he's so composed when it comes to uh, double teams and how he's even scoring Mm -hmm. through them nowadays because of how experienced he is and how much he's seen over the past few seasons. He's seen every defense possible. And now you add in his mid-range game and he just has so much more versatility and tools in his basket to create offense and so in a person like gary Trent jr he's fourth mo- he has fourth most points in uh, in crunch time during the all since the all-star break so he i think was like a benefactor of pascal's mm-hmm. gravity so we're talking about how can you attract the defense how can you expose mismatches how can you make things happen and gary Trent jr as an off-ball shooter that sounds pretty good to me that's what you want that's that's why you have him there right and same with fred van vliet so you just need guys who can you know, create mismatches and make teams have to make really tough decisions. And then they got to kind of bank on, okay, well, is this guy going to make a, th- a shot from the three-point line? We have to just see what happens. And we just keep on edging towards that because the Raptors are so deadly in the down low. They have so many players that are a problem for teams. And so they're saying, all right, well, let's see if this guy can hit a three and those guys got to hit threes. My goodness, they got to hit threes. Um <laughs> This kind of goes to a bit of what I just said, but the bench now with all those guys coming off the bench, a lot of players have been in and out. You got that Young now, you got Precious Emerging, you got Brooks as well. How do you see, like, is there a person that you feel like is not going to be getting as many minutes down the stretch here if the Raptors are indeed healthy? And you know Malachi Flynn factors into this too, and Delano Banton seems like he's kind of out of the rotation. Yeah, how do you feel like the Raptors should prioritize their bench minutes?
2: I mean, we already touched on two. <laughs> I think, but like, uh, Utah, I think, um, Malachi, unfortunately are going to feel the squeeze. Um, Delano, Mm. I think again, they're looking at as more of a long-term prospect. Like if he doesn't really make it into the, if he doesn't crack a rotation with the Raptors, he's making up for it with the nine Oh five. So that really worries me less. I think he has a fairly secure place and they do have a secure sense of Mm -hmm. what they want from him long-term it's less clear to me what they want out of those other three players you know we've talked about malachi at length it's kind of weird to me that there still isn't a clear sense of where he fits and maybe how to get him there that we are seeing like that's the caveat to all of this right is what we are seeing and being told um but again like fee's been a little bit a bit of a ghost um like like i i know i said it earlier but I always come back to actually something you said just in terms of like Utah's defensive capabilities. Like if you're not getting something from him at one end of the floor, why not just ask for it at the other? To me, that makes sense. I don't Mm -hmm. think you're forfeiting that much like offense in the process because he's shown he can like, he can still get through guys to make the shot if he's pressed. So, uh, this is a difficult thing that my sense of it is the Raptors have been waiting out the season because because of all the injuries because they haven't really had consistent rosters because of that uh and had a sense of like where all these guys fit to make this decision because again this is a development year we say this every episode but this is a development year uh you're you need you have the luxury of time in making Mm -hmm. these decisions so i do think while they're taking that time time's almost up
1: yeah ding 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 the alarm clock is almost is almost going that brutal
2: brutal buzzer or chime whatever weird thing you've got set for your alarm it's almost up
1: what do you have I have different
2: different ones I have the least like the violent one to me is like it sounds like a country it's like I'm not (laughs) that didn't sound right um (laughs) what's it called I don't know the name of it. I can't get to my settings really quick, but it's like, it's okay. It's not a type of beep or a buzz or a chime. That stuff stresses yeah. me out. I got a song yeah, you myself. Yeah, got a little song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the guitar. It's the little guitar song.
1: I got Bob Marley. Don't oh, worry, okay. Be happy. I have That's like the generic Apple yeah. settings
2: guitar song, but I did what you did for a while, yeah. but then I started to hate those songs it messed with my
1: psyche. You know what? I've I've heard people do that, that yeah. They felt like Will that you song wake up to it? they hate the song.
2: Um <clears throat> yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah yeah, I'm not there yet but
1: I I understand that okay. perspective. People close to me have talked to me about that and it hasn't it hasn't hit me yet but I'm my eyes and ears are alert to the possibility that, that could very well happen. In the end, I think the Raptors, they just have to like kind of focus on their core values as a team. Right. And so they want offensive rebound. They, uh, they want to get up and down the floor really fast and mm-hmm. they need shooting. Right. And so I think, I think the decisions are going to kind of come down to those ones, obviously the miss the, the other matchup or the team you're facing. Um, but overall, I think uh, some of the players who, are getting kind of inconsistent minutes are going to have to sort of deal with that and then once as nick nurse says you could play 10 minutes you could play two seconds you could end up starting you have to be mm-hmm. ready to go very tough mm-hmm. thing to do uh to ask of players to be ready to go on a moment's notice when they haven't played in like four or five days and oh well now you need to get into this playoff game because you know so and so has five fouls or, or something like that very tough but uh, people like I, I see a way you know that like that might play a lot i see why precious is going to play a lot i can see why malachi Flynn mm-hmm. plays a lot because you know fred's not uh not himself and so you know malachi is an actual point guard he's probably their only true point guard that they have although they're you know they're Playing with dabbling a little bit with Pascal as point guard, too, but he is like a person that they can actually give the ball to, and he's going to be somewhat reliable. So, there's an alley for all these guys to get minutes, but who's going to get it? It's really going to come down to the situation. But a person like Brooks, I could see that him just getting those 15 minutes because they just need the shooting that desperately. But you know, a team against the Celtics, like the Celtics, if the Raptors. Hopefully not ever (laughs) again in the playoffs. (laughs) Uh, If they match up against them, like, well, then, you know, he's probably too small. So now you got to put that out there. And you're just banking that, hey, please, that hit two corner threes for us because we just need you to hit those. Um, It's going to be a really interesting thing that Nick has to figure out. But obviously the first step is that he has to get a healthy team. Speaking of Nick Nurse, what are your goals for Nick Nurse in the final 10 games of the season?
2: My goals for Nick Nurse.
1: Yeah. What do you want to see Nick kind of focus on in these last or?
2: Um, what do you think? Utilizing the, some of those bench players, maybe the last bench pieces. Oh, I don't want to call them pieces. The last bench guys that um, we've mentioned, right? You, you've got gaps. Yeah. You want an offensive rebound? to Antonabe. Great. <laughs> Seems like a great player to, to fit that role. If you need someone like game to do that. Um, no, but honestly, I think to sort out, the help that you're going to need in a, in the postseason, you know, and in a kind Uh of like game for game matchup situation, like the playoffs turn into, you won't necessarily be able to rely on throwing out the same things every game. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd like to see more clarity uh, in terms of what the bench is, what he wants it to be, what the goals are, I think, for those players, because this is again, like a team that talks about, um, making sure guys' careers are vital or like revitalized in some cases. So if you're not going to sign these guys where like you want to still set them up for success, right. And like send them out into the wider NBA world, um, looking to get good deals. You're not really doing that for those Mm -hmm. guys right now that we mentioned. Um, what else? honestly i'm low on criticisms for nick nurse at this point because i feel like uh
1: Mm
2: -hmm. he's done he's done pretty well i mean he has a team to thank for that but like uh he's done pretty well he can't like you can't criticize him for injuries you know for some of the roster shortages i think for some of the poor decision making i'm sure he's like tearing Mm -hmm. his hair out the same as the rest of us are with that but uh yeah, sure. I think uh, I, I've got to believe he meant it right when he's just like, we're ready for the postseason. I think that's probably where his brain is. It's like a lot of stuff that's clicking is going to click and stay that way. And we can't really, we can't really like turn into a new team right now. So this is what we got.
1: I mean, this wasn't meant to be like a, a question where we're going to be criticizing Nick because like you said, he is, he's is he gone through it this season in his own way, you know? It's been a very tough year with all the injuries and up and down and this guy's mm-hmm. playing, this guy's getting traded, yada, yada, yada. It's been really tough. The only thing I had for myself too is that this consistency with the rotation, but he, he needs bodies to get consistent with mm-hmm. that at the same time. So um, prioritizing floor spacing, I think is something that has stuck out to me. Um, that could be where, you know, when you got to make a decision in like that second quarter, it's like, all right, who's going to play the last like five minutes here? You're going to go with the floor spacer, or you're going to go with another six-nine guy. I wouldn't mind if in some of those cases where the matchups make sense that you put out, you know, a Brooks or a Malachi when he when he is healthy because they just need spacing. It's like it's they're so mm-hmm. desperate. And then you can run some of those empty corner actions and some of those spread pick and rolls where you can let Scotty and Pascal and OG just do some work, you know, simplify your offense as best you can and you utilize your assets. Um, but I think he wants to do that stuff. It's just guys got to hit shots and they got to hit shots tomorrow against the Cleveland Cavaliers as well, because that's a huge, huge game. Other thing is, you know, I think he's got to make sure that they beat those teams below 500 because it's getting insane. And maybe he's got to make like a a mixtape or something like that. They play this mixtape of all the times that they've lost to all these pistons and magics and all that kind of stuff you have the sound up saying oh my god i can't believe the toronto raptors lost to this team after they, after they just beat a few books how is this Who's team? voice beating? is that huh i don't know okay. herbie, herbie. Herbie, can do herbie can do it right <laughs> he would never do it though no, he he on that uh, sot yeah i'll do it okay, okay i'll do it i'll, I'll make Good i'll do sacrifice. the voice um, yeah just get like it would be so annoying if they beat the cavaliers and all of a sudden they lose to the atlanta hawks like a team that isn't making the playoffs or the Orlando magic, like don't lose to these teams, please. You guys are playing at home. (laughs) Eight, eight more home games, two on the road. Like this is take care of business time. Only one back to back. Like you can't have any of these, but again, if they are healthy, I don't think these things will happen. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. And for the game against Kyle Lowry, I want to see Nick Nurse throw every single defense he's ever come up with in his brain at Kyle Lowry just to see how Kyle handles it. And in that case, the Raptor fan base, we're going to win either way. Kyle's going to figure it out, and we're going to be like, my God, Kyle Lowry, guys, this guy is incredible. This is the point. God, he is, you know, Kyle Lowry over everything, yada, yada, yada. Or Kyle isn't able to do that, and the Raptors win it's a win-win for the Raptor fan base. That's what I'm looking for. We need more win-win situations. So that's all I really had actually. And also just, you know, getting some rest for Pascal and Fred because they need it, but they also got to make sure that they're in a position to get Mm -hmm. rest. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's it. That was more of a joke. one more than I think finally, Katie, and again, thank you for your time. Bill alluded to that Raptors cavs game. Um, It is tomorrow. Huge game, pretty much is going to tell us if the Raptors have a chance of that top six. What are some of the things that you're watching for against uh, in that Uh, matchup? Yeah,
2: probably not for them to get overpowered really quickly. You know what I mean? Um, The Cavs will have a lot of kind of answered. We saw the Cavs do this. uh, When was that game? In the fall? When it seemed like the Raptors Mm -hmm. had the Cavs and the Cavs just kind of waited them out, right? The Jared Allen, the Jared Allen when he got flipped. Uh, and like thrown yeah. windmills, like, that yeah, game. Yeah. um,
0: they just <laughs> yeah.
2: waited the Raptors out. Uh, and I think the calves are a much different team now than they were then, you know, they have a mm-hmm. much better sense of their depth. Uh, I think they have a much better sense of just like the offenses they can deploy, uh, and the way that they can counter, mm-hmm. especially a team like the Raptors, like they have the size for it. So I think it's going to come down to spacing probably, um, good decision oh, yeah. making <laughs> not getting like chased off you know like chased off anywhere um yeah that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough that'll be a very physical game I don't even like mean it'll be it's gonna get chippy it's just it will be tough for everybody
1: yeah for sure Darius Garland he had 17 and 10 the last yep. time they played Um, And so he's been a problem. He's like past two games, 29 and 17, 24 and 12, 25 and 14. He's been on a tear. Fred did not play in that game. So again, we're going to get back to the Fred VanVleet question. What kind of Fred are we going to get? But I will point this out. Since January 30th, Darius Garland has scored at least 20 points in every single game except one. Guess who that game was against, Katie? The Raptors. The Raptors, right? It was the Toronto Raptors. Granted, he had 17 <laughs> and 10, but that does mean something. That um, you know they're going to be on the road in this case, right? So, a Lori Markkinen is he going to shoot as well? Some of their guys off the bench are they going to uh, play as well? And then on the other side, the Raptors bench has to be a lot better because that last matchup, the Pristachiu was a mm-hmm. minus 28, and Thad Young was a mm-hmm. minus 17, and Scotty and Pascal like they were like a minus one. So you can kind of see where things kind of went wrong for yeah. the Toronto Raptors in that way because they forced 17 yeah. turnovers, right? They got they did that part of the game and. Um, Maybe we get one more player back. Who knows, right? But it seems like Haskell and Scotty they had success against the Cavaliers in that last matchup, and they just need to continue to do that. And also, as you said, shooting. They need guys to hit shots, and maybe Fred Fred too. Maybe he just gets at home cooking. You know, he gets his bed. He's going to be comfortable, all that kind of stuff, and his knee feels good, and he's able to kind of get (laughs) – figure out a three-point shot because he's not even like able to hit the rim sometimes it seems like because it seems like it just doesn't have like the lift that he necessarily needs I trust it'll come back
2: you know what i mean like he's had these aside from like even um injuries like he's had these shooting slumps in the past and he's always managed to figure it out and the best thing about it is like his general attitude and demeanor does not change right like Mm-hmm. It, it could bother him it does it like it, it doesn't ever seem to bother him whether he gets a shot or doesn't get the shot it's just kind of like on to the next yeah. shot mentality which is good that's well that's like the way fred manby plays so it's fine but i think uh yeah this caps team um they're very cohesive yeah. team so if the raptors start rushing like if it looks like they are playing downhill i think they're in trouble
1: yeah You had a nice little cliffhanger at the beginning of the episode, so I'm going to end it with a nice one here. So, Katie, Heindel, thank you so much for your time. And the Toronto Raptors have a huge game coming up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Will they win? Find out next time.